Welcome to Bump Set Chat, the podcast where volleyball professionals come on and share their stories, experiences, and advice. And today, Taylor Hammond, assistant men's volleyball coach for Stanford. Welcome to Bump Set Chat, a podcast for volleyball professionals to come on and share their stories, experiences, and advice. And today, I have Taylor Hammond, assistant coach of the Stanford men's volleyball team. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so glad you're able to come on and, and share your story here. So the way we start the podcast off is with three random questions. So are you ready? Yep. All right. So game seven, Lakers or the LA Kings, which one would you like to go to? You know, I would have to go to the Lakers. I've been a lifelong Laker fan. Um, I'm taking a little pause as LeBron's there, uh, but I can't wait to be a Laker fan again when he <laughs> with his career. So, so I go I, to the Lakers. See, so not a LeBron fan. No, I'm not. Neither am I, and that's okay. So, now, did you catch the HBO series uh, with about the Lakers, Magic, and everything like that on? Uh, I think it's like Showtime or something like that. I've only watched about one. I really, really wanted to watch it, but uh, yeah, I haven't gotten to it yet. All right. So, you know, when you were playing over in Germany and you came home, what was that first home cooked meal you were looking forward to the most? The first home-cooked meal was chicken enchiladas. Yeah. I was dying for Mexican food. Uh, as a Southern California native, I love Mexican food. Um, so chicken enchiladas, my mom made them for me right away. Nice. All right. So as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a professional volleyball player. All right. So <laughs> I, I did accomplish that goal. Excellent. All right. So welcome to the pod. And you know, how's the team looking this year? We look pretty good. We're getting better. Um, still some things to iron out and just had our first fall competition. So we got to see some other teams and, and where we stand and what we need to get better at. Yeah. But we've got a lot of guys that have been on the floor for a while. So hopefully that bodes well for us as we get things rolling. Oh, nice. Awesome. Now, when does the season officially kick off for you guys? Like when's your first game? We'll play that first weekend in January. Um, I believe it is the 7th, 8th or 8th and 9th. Um, Loyola Chicago is going to come play us. Um, our, I don't know when this is going to drop, but our schedule just came out on Instagram today, uh, and we'll be on our website. So oh, excellent. Now, is there a certain game on the schedule that you got circled that you know, you're looking forward to? Um, I look forward to all of them. Uh, I get to play my alma mater, Penn state. So I'm looking forward to seeing Pav and those guys. Um, but yeah, I look forward to it for every match and a couple good road trips coming and get to play at home in Maples and in Burnham. Nice. All right. So let's let's go back. You know, when did you f- discover volleyball? I discovered volleyball. I've been around it all my life. Uh, my dad is a volleyball player, and so I grew up uh, peppering with my dad and and playing beach volleyball down at Lake Mission Viejo. Um, and Really, that's what we did every weekend. We would go down to go down to the lake and, and play volleyball, and I really enjoyed it. Started peppering, and then you know you get in the hitting lines, and then all of a sudden you're almost tall enough to play. But uh, yeah, that's how I started it. Ah, and now you know where does where does boys volleyball rank in the sports hierarchy of you know in middle school and high school for for out there in California? Um, I wouldn't say it's you know a top notch sports um it is you know the footballs and the basketballs of the world are still your you know most common you'll see play people play but uh it's definitely bigger in southern california volleyball um i still think it's bigger on the girls side and the women's side 
but we do have a lot of guys playing and and that's really where a lot of high level competition was when I played. So yeah. it was great to get that exposure. Yeah, I think overall, I well, let's say in North America or maybe the US, that there's a misconception about, you know, volleyball that it's you know, people think of it as that backyard thing, but you take anybody who's never seen a college, you know, volleyball team, whether it's men's or women's. And it's, it's, you know, I think they are shocked every time I see, you know, we take a friend or something to a game. You're like, wow, I didn't know it was that fast or that exciting. Yeah. What amazes me is every year you hear, you know, I love watching volleyball uh, when I see it in the Olympics, but yeah. you know, we got to get rid of the four-year fan and get them to an every year fan. Um, and I yeah. think that's just bringing more exposure with, you know, streams and getting it in front of people. But yeah. it seems like a lot of people love volleyball. It's just getting them in front of it and getting them to see it. Yeah. And now out in your neck of the woods, when, you know, is, is beach sort of the stepping point for, you know, getting, you know, getting kids into the indoor game or it's just sort of just natural progression. That was my progression. Um, I, it seems like there's kind of two or three progressions that happen. It's either you start on the beach playing with a parent or you've got an older sister or older brother that played and that's what gets you into it or you get cut from the basketball or, or baseball team and uh, you got to find another sport and you go out for volleyball. Yeah. All right. There you go. And now for you, what was the hook volleyball had on you versus the other sports? That's uh, I mean, the simple answer is I was good at it Yeah. Um, because, you know, I didn't have a future in basketball, even though I really enjoyed it um, is I had the future in volleyball, but I like the social aspect of it. I really, really enjoyed that, you know, you can go play and compete with these, with your friends. And then, you know, you finish off the day with a barbecue and talk about what you did. Yeah. So I like the social aspect of it. Uh, I was just out at some of the club tournaments. I love seeing my old coaches, the people I played against. Um, our community is pretty special. Yeah. So that's what kept, keeps me in it and kept me in it. So. Excellent. And now when did you, you know, when did you start enjoying, you know, the setter position. Was that in high school or, you know, sort of earlier? So I didn't set until uh, I was a freshman. And so up until then I played libero. I, I was about five foot um, going into eighth grade and then about six, one in high school. Oh, so wow. I had that, that growth spurt finally hit and I was able to play in the front row. So I played libero for a long period of time. And then um, actually it really kind of fell into it. Uh, I, I always tried to hit and no one ever let me hit. So still waiting for that day. But, uh, I went, you know, the other setter on our team was going to have to go from 14 to 16. And so I said, okay, I'll set, let's see what happens. And, uh, yeah, I ended up setting through a career. Nice. So 15s is when it all switched. All right. And now, you know, in your mind, you know, what's the best thing about being the setter? the control aspect of it um, and being able to control an offense and, you know, get to play the game within the game with the middle blocker on the other side and mm -hmm. the defense on the other side. Um, I really enjoyed that chess match and um, the ability to touch the ball as much as you do and control the offense and play that little game. Yeah. All right. And now, you know, when it comes to, you know, club ball, is club ball a big thing out in California or because the high school, you know, the talent in high school is already at a good level, you know, do you really need club ball or you just, it, to help club ball allows it to be like a year round sport? Club volleyball allows it to be a year round sport. 
Um, but I think the cool part about men's volleyball is, you know, we get our summers. So I could still play for two, three months on the beach. Yeah. I can then go into fall, play club. Then everything breaks for high school season. And um, I think high school is where you probably see the biggest progression. And actually kids is they play four or five days a week. Yeah. And um, in club, you're only going to practice two, two, three times a week. And so, yeah, club makes it. So it's year round. Obviously you see some all-star teams there and, and better competition, but um, high school is a big part of that too. And being in Southern California was really, really special just because you got good high school coaches and yeah. good high school volleyball. Um, so I think that's huge. Um, I think a lot of kids nowadays kind of miss the high school boats. Um, it's a really big part of your progression. You're yeah. going to play five days a week and get to play in tournaments on the weekends. So it's a big progression. Yeah. All right. And now, so, you know, after high school, you, you landed in a much colder place up in Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, what, uh, what was your, what was the process to, you know, the recruiting process and what made you end up choosing Penn state? Yeah, I was lucky to go through the recruiting process and get some schools interested in me. And, um, I wanted a big school experience and I wanted, you know, big football, big basketball, um, and I wanted a different experience. I was from Southern California. I got the opportunity to go to Pennsylvania and that was really cool. Uh, I, I love Mark Pavlik and he's a, you know, a great mentor and a great person. And I had a fantastic experience there. Um, and I got to go live in the cold and see snow for the first time and go sledding. But, uh, <laughs> my, my school experience was awesome and I got something different yeah. than I grew up in. Um, it was pretty clear. I moved right back to Southern California. So I love, <laughs> I love being in California too. So, but I was happy with the the different experience I got. Yeah. All right. Nice. Um, now, you know, at Penn state, what were some of the memorable moments that stick out for you? It's a good question that, you know, I don't have the greatest answer. I just, uh, you know, I got to play in a program that valued me. Uh, we valued a lot of hard work, um, and we were really good for for a while there. Um, I got to play with some guys that were really, really good volleyball players. Uh, most notably is probably Aaron Russell, who's now a bronze medalist in the Olympic Games. But we had a lot of guys that were really, really good. And so I played in three Final Fours wow. um, and played with some really, really good volleyball players. Um, so I was really lucky to do that and then get the school experience on top of that. Yeah. All right. And now, you know, if you can remember, what was the, you know, stepping up into college coming from high school? Was it a big adjustment into the speed of the game and just the the, the caliber of play? It's huge. Um, just and then the, also the difference of like you're a 17, 18 year old boy going into college where you could be playing with guys that are 22, 23 years old and played for three, four years uh, in high school and club. You don't see that a ton because you're playing with your age group. Yeah. So, and then the speed and the physicality of it is a lot faster. Yeah. Um, I shirted and got a little time to get my feet under me, but, uh, yeah, as I, as I look at our young freshmen right now, I go, Hey, we've got five fifth years here. You know, they've, they've been here, done that and, and done it a lot. So just the physicality of it and the speed is a lot. Yeah. And then also the amount that you train, um, we ask them to do a lot. Uh, you know, you're, you're practicing five, six days a week, you're lifting three, four days a week. And then, I mean, the cool part is I'm at Stanford. So now on top of that, we're asking you to go to school at one of the highest academic institutions. So right. 
it's a lot. So I tell them you do all that. And then we'll worry about being good at volleyball at the end of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> getting our cool dress. Oh man. And now, you know, if you're looking back, what was that, you know, what was the toughest thing about for you, you know, for that first year of, of, you know, in college away from home and adjusting to, you know, everything. Toughest thing is, and I still think this as a coach is asking for help. Um, you're not used to doing it in high school. You're used to just going to class, you do your homework and you get good grades. And um, I think it's really asking for help, using your resources, getting tutoring, meeting with your academic counselor. Uh, thank goodness I had a great academic counselor that hooked me up with a lot of tutors and um, just asking for help because you're going to need it because you're away from mom and dad and you're doing different things. So that was the biggest thing to learn. And then once I got good at that uh, was when things became much smoother. Yeah. Oh, okay. Very cool. And now, you know, for the, for the men's program, you know, you guys get a later start in the year because, you know, women are pretty much beginning of school. They're, you know, zero to 100 playing and everything. Do you think having that later start really helps, you know, the men's program because the kids have already acclimated to school and that new environment, and now they're more ready to play? Yeah, it allows them to be a student uh, before they've got to, you know, go compete. Um, there's there's kind of advantages to both because um, we'll start about the same time school starts. So we'll start to ask them to practice while they're trying to figure out school, while they're trying to figure everything else out. Uh, the women have the advantage that they can bring the girls on campus before school starts. Yeah. So they can kind of get in a routine. Their bodies can get ready to go before they've got to go to school. Um, so I think there's advantages and disadvantages to both. I think the travel becomes harder for the women because they've got to figure out how to go to class, travel mm -hmm. in this class. We can go to class, get our feet underneath us. And then, you know, we're traveling in the spring. It's equally as hard. It's just your adjustment period. You have yep. a little more time. All right. So now when you wrapped up your college career, you, you had an opportunity to go overseas and play. How did that all come about? Yeah, I... I mean, I kind of reached out to the guys that had done it before at Penn State and see what was available. And I had some agents contact me. Um, and then I had a family friend that had played over there and knew somebody that helped me kind of negotiate a contract. And um, yeah, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity. I, I really wanted to do it. And uh, yeah, I got to experience another culture and live in a a foreign place for, nice. a, for a little while. So. And now you play, and now you landed over in Germany, right? Yep. And you know, how did, what did that level compare, you know, leaving college, college is a high level of play here. And now you're going international, you know, on par, or is it, you know, another, that next level? For me, it was a similar level of volleyball. Um, just because I don't think, where I was is I wasn't going to the Italy's and the Russia's of the world. I was, uh, I mean, Germany is a good league and I played some high level volleyball, but it was very similar volleyball wise. Yeah. Uh, the difference was being a pro and not everybody on my team was a pro either. So, you know, some guys are still going to school. Um, I didn't really have anybody with day jobs, but they'd have a side job or, you know, maybe they were a writer or something yeah. like that for the club. Um, but so you see kind of a similar, uh, day to day thing. I was probably one of maybe four guys on my team that was a pro. And, uh, so you just have more time to, to take care of yourself. And, 
Um, you do have a lot of time on your hands when you're overseas, but yeah, that's, that's what I was just going to ask you, you know, because college you're balancing work, you know, school and practicing. And now you're a pro is like, where you're like, all right, what do I do with all this extra time? Yeah. There's a lot of time on your hands. Um, and you spend it reading, you spend it, you know, watching TV shows. Um, I had lunch at a, a local cafe, so I'd just sit there and read during the day and, um, you spend extra time with the trainer and, you know, I mean, really you can weight lift every day because you're only going to have one practice. Yeah. And so you, you tailor things, uh, probably in the best shape I ever was when I was over there just cause you know, you're eat, eat, sleep and play volleyball. Yeah. So, ah. and now, you know, what were some of the highlights, you know, from, you know, playing and getting experience, you know, volleyball overseas? Um, I played in some packed gyms. I don't think I ever played in, I played in a couple in the United States, but my first pro match, uh, we pull up to the gym about an hour and a half early in, in Hershing. And I go, what's, what's going on over there? The guys go, well, that's, that's our match. They're, they're circled around. So wow. I walked out to, to warm up and it's a little gym. It's not a big gym, yeah. but place was rocking as we walked in there to play our first match. Um, so my home, home gym used to sell out maybe three to 5,000 people, but it's only about 2000 people in the town. Yeah. So that's a big deal. Um, and so, and they got the drums and, and all that stuff playing. So, and then getting to see different parts of the world, I got to go to Czech Republic. I got to go to Poland, all parts of Germany. Um, so you just get the, the life experience that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have had. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have. And I have to ask because European, you think everybody's smoking over there and in, in buildings and what like were the gyms, you know, a lot of smokers or was it like, you know, pretty, uh, you know, smoke free environments. Um, I did play with guys that smoked <laughs> cigarettes. Uh, we have a couple, couple cups of coffee and, and a couple of cigarettes before, before the match yeah. started. And, uh, it never happened inside the gym. Uh, I do remember being in a restaurant in Czech Republic and you smell smoke and you're like, uh, something burning. Oh wait, that's the one smoking inside. <laughs> yeah. Um, but mostly in Germany, it was, it was just, uh, outside. It was never in the gym or anything yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. Cause you just, I just picture you, the, the coach is sitting at the end of the bench with a cigarette and like time out. And yeah. <laughs> the difference for me was, and, and I liked, I really like this before matches, you know, usually you have a pregame meal. Yeah. We would have coffee and cake. Oh, okay. A, uh, German staple, like, in the local cafe where I eat lunch, town kind of slowed down about two, three o'clock. People would come in, get coffee and cake. So that was our pregame ritual. And I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, I've been over to Germany a couple of times. We've got relatives over there. There's something that I never get used to is the German breakfast. You know, it's not bacon and eggs. Like it's just different meats, cold meats and, and breads. Cold cuts and bread. Yeah. I, yeah, too, I learned that the hard way. Uh, <laughs> I came down to first breakfast on the road and went, Okay. Uh, nobody else thinks this is weird. Uh, let's, let's just grab some cold cuts and, and go to practice. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And now, you know, what advice would you share with, you know, college players thinking about, okay, they're, you know, they're, they want to go overseas and, and give it a shot. Any, any advice, any tips for them? I would reach out to people that have been over there. Uh, talk to them about their club, how their club take care of them. Did they like the place they lived in? Um, do they want a small town, big town? Um, things like that. Uh, the more information you can get from where an American's been, the better it's going to be um, experience-wise. And then I give the advice to go do it. Yep. If you know some people are like me, they're one and done. 
and they decide that that's a chapter in their life they're going to close. Um, some people love it and go for 10 years. Some people never move back. Yeah. Um, so I think always try it. And also don't worry about how good of a volleyball player you are. There's different experiences there. I had a good friend that, that got his master's degree in England and played volleyball over there. Um, there's different levels to, and different degrees of what you want. Um, not everybody's playing in, in Italy, like Aaron Russell and making all kinds of money. Yeah. Um, it's just give it a, give it a shot. Cause you come home and, and usually you're in a better place for it. And most of those guys, you know, as they graduate from college have degree anyway, so you can yeah. always come back and work. That's true. Yeah. And, and now did they approach training or practice differently? Like, was there a big adjustment for you to, you know, get into the sort of the, the routine? They spent a lot more time on, on individual skills. Um, I felt they trained the whole volleyball player a little bit better. Um, you see it, everybody's doing ball control stuff. And, you know, you don't have middle blockers just going over and blocking on one court and then setters setting and everybody's doing everything. Uh, I thought they did a better job of that. Yeah. Um, they also do a better, a little bit better job of just understanding the little nuances of the body each day. You watch all those guys. They, at first I was like, we're warming up for way too long. Um, but once I learned how to take care of my body a little bit better, they warmed up for, for a long period of time with lots of exercises. And I thought they did a better job. Uh, than maybe we did in college at that, but we're in college and running from class too. So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And now, you know, which, you know, which experience did you enjoy more the pro side of things or your college, college career? I enjoyed my college career yeah. more than I enjoyed my pro career. Um, my pro career was very quick. Uh, I closed that chapter pretty quickly. Um, and I, I loved my college experience can't say enough about it. Uh, even though I do have to recruit against those guys now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the senior that I just had on, we were talking about, you know, what she's going to miss the most about leaving. And she said it was the locker room because you'll never be another place in your life where you're just hanging out with people you've been on the road with, and you've just spent so much time practicing and training. And that was the, the thing that she's going to miss the most. How about you? What, what's the thing you miss the most about those college years? Well, I'm lucky enough that I never left college athletics for very long. So I think what draws me back to coaching is a lot of that locker room aspect and being part of a team. Um, so I get to do that from another angle uh, now. So I never really lost that fill. Yeah. Uh, but I probably would have the same answer if I went into a desk job. Um, but so I don't know if there's anything I really miss because I, I get that fill and I think that's why I've, I've stuck in it yeah. and enjoyed it so much. And you get to see, and you sort of live through with the kids on a team doing that and you're still a part of that locker room. Yep. Yeah. Yep. In a totally different way. Um, but yeah, I still, you know, as people come up and hang out with me in my office and we watch video and I get to play the game within the game and teach that, uh, that's, that's what I enjoy now. And that's what keeps me, uh, kind of not missing my volleyball career. Yeah. And now, you know, speaking of watching video and whatnot, was when you were at Penn State, was video a big part of that? Or, you know, today it's video and analytics probably, you know, how much does analytics play, I guess, first in, in today's volleyball? So a lot of video was done when I was in college. Um, we didn't have, Volumetrics was new when I was about sophomore, junior, um, which 
just saved us a ton of time. Uh, you know, we used to, you know, click through it and all that stuff. Um, I'm not that old, but that stuff has come, you know, really, really far and just being, having it all the access to it, but it was a huge part of what we did. Um, I watched video two, three times a week with my coaches and then, you know, you watch it every day with, with yourself. Yeah. Um, the analytics is, I mean, I think where we're going with volleyball is really cool. How many, you know, data we have and all that stuff. Um, but we've always got to remember as coaches, you can have as much data as you want. You got to, got to trust your eyes and trust yeah. what you see. So and you can't measure intangibles, uh, with stats. Yeah. And now I've seen some programs where the, they've got the players wearing like a tracking device. Are you guys using those and what kind of data is that capturing? We are, we we've, we've used those, um, there as we have smaller staffs on the men's side, um, it falls to us coaches, but we do have, uh, and analytics that gives us, you know, jump counts and how much strain our practice is. Okay. Um, we use those just to make sure that we're not overtraining or undertraining. Yep. Um, and we want to make sure that as we do things in the weight room, because we'll track everything in the weight room, we should track everything we do on the court as well. So maybe we'll have a tough lift on Wednesday. We'll go less jumps in the you know gym on Wednesday, and then you know vice versa. But we do have trackers we put on guys just to make sure you know, we're not beating them into the ground. And we found one of the cool things we found was that setters jump the most. Uh, uh -huh. I always had that argument when I was playing, but, uh, yeah, setters jump the most during a practice. Cause they're, you know, every time they go to set, they jump. Yeah. So, and then we track the strain too. So, you know, some practices we want to have the strain be about a five set match mm -hmm. versus you know, sometimes we want to have a three set match. Um, and we'll measure that. We measure that based on our, our scrimmages we have on, on Fridays right now. So okay. start with the base measurement and then go through. Yeah. Oh, cool. And now speaking of coaching, what was your draw to coaching? What made you want to grab that whistle? I think I, I thought I always would coach at the end of this. Uh, I wanted to be done playing. Um, so I didn't really coach until I was done. Um, I coached one club team after I graduated for a spring and then went overseas, I grabbed a lot of coaching books. Um, and I just kind of have always gravitated towards it. Um, so I grabbed just some Phil Jackson books, some John Wooden books, and just went, you know what? I think this is where I'm going to go and see if I enjoy it. I was still playing beach at the time, coaching club in high school. Um, when I found that this is really what I want to do, I was, I was coaching Orange Coast College and said, you know what, this is, this is what I want to do. And um, it keeps me in the game, allows me to mentor, and then doesn't make me feel like I have a job at all. Oh, nice. And now you you coach some club, you coach some high school, I think. Um, you know, what's been your sort of co coaching journey to this point? Yeah, I wanted to coach high school and club. I, I just wanted to start. That's where I thought, you know, you start at the bottom and you learn how to do it. Yeah. Um, I didn't. Some people jump right into the college world. I didn't do that. I just, I also wanted to play some beach volleyball at the same time. So I used to play beach in the morning, coach in the afternoons. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, I started coaching high school, boys and girls, boys and girls club. And uh, I just been around a lot of cool people. I coach for just about every coach that I've had. So uh, that's been a full circle moment. And uh, yeah, it's been fun to work the way up so that you learn how to do things instead of just going, you know, I played here this is how I played. You got to learn how to coach and teach. Yeah. 
And I guess the nice thing is like you starting off with club in high school, you're, you know, the parents are close by. And as you get to college, the parents are, you know, more at an arm's length at least. Yeah. Yeah. But we still, you know, like they, they got to trust us with their, their baby for four or five years. That's so, true. Yeah. Um, it's a big part of getting to know them early um, so that they trust us and they know we have their best, their kids' best interests. Yeah. So we get them at a point in their life when they're away from their parents for the first time. <laughs> so it can be, can be a little stressful for them. And um, we've got to make sure that we, we know that part, but yeah. you're right. Club in high school, it's uh, especially club. You're, your customers are sitting there on the other side of the uh, bleachers watching you do. Yeah, I had a funny story with the coach out here. Is I, I said, you know, she used to coach vo- basketball and she jumped to volleyball because, and she enjoyed it more because the parents here didn't know the volleyball rules, so they couldn't be there chirping like, "Why you know run this play or do that?" And she, she said it made things a lot, you know, easier for her. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. There's some. Uh, we're lucky in 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 volleyball. We've got a lot of of parents that allow us to do our things and we've got our credibility too. So nice. um, there's a lot of volleyball parents in Southern California <laughs> that, that are around it a lot. Absolutely. So now I see you also were part of the, the national team from uh, coaching the U 21. Yep. How did you yep. get involved with that? Uh, Andy Reed gave me a call and said, Hey, you want to coach the team as we go to Cuba? And I said, Absolutely. Um, that's, that was probably one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do. Um, there's nothing like being able to put on USA, um, something I, one of the few things I didn't get to do as a player, um, and represent your country and, and go overseas. Um, and then go to a place like Cuba. We, we played, uh, the North wow. event in Cuba, place you probably wouldn't go on your own. Yeah. Um, and you know, a packed arena as we played Cuba and a great, great experience, especially for those athletes that were there. Um, it was really cool. Awesome. And now, you know, how does coaching at that national level differ from coaching at the collegiate collegiate level? You know, were there skills, you know, what skills did you find most valuable in making that transition? Well, purely it was time. We spent about two weeks with those guys. Um, and I mean, you spend all day, every day with them. So it's really cool to build those relationships and, and get to do those things. Um, but we had, you know, a limited amount of time to, to train and and get there. Um, our big focus with this one was we were using the, the blue and yellow Mikasa ball. And also they had taken out hand passing. So oh. at the U21 and U19 level this summer at the Worlds, they were experimenting with uh, no hand passing. Wow. So our big focus was float serves and taking those with our platform. Oh, jeez. Um, so it really wasn't as big of a thing as we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, we only saw maybe four or five guys grab a ball with their hands um, and get called on it. Um, our guys did struggle a little bit with the pla- the float serve passing. Um, you see the middles that are hitting that serve from five to five were pretty effective. Um, but that was our big focus going into it because those guys don't play with the blue and yellow ball. Yeah. And um, we don't see a ton of float serves at, at our level. Right. So. And actually, you know, on adding into that from the, you know, float like just from the speed aspect of the game you're seeing some you know people are you know sort of receiving balls or their stances from more like open hands instead of like straight are are you seeing that transition too where you're you know people like sort of the cup bent arm passing type thing 
Um, so yeah, on defense, we were just training it today. We have, we've got our arms bent and we're trying to dig the ball up because of how fast the game is happening. Yeah. Um, especially when that, when the other teams in system guys are unloading on balls at, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour. Um, so you've got to try and dig that ball so it doesn't go over to the other side. Um, but yeah, we're digging with our palms, palms up, um, and it's happening so fast. It won't end up being a lift, Yeah. but, um, and then serve receive, we're going to put our hands together, but yeah, we've had to train totally differently just because of how fast those serves are coming at us and how limited time you have. Yeah. It's got to be a big adjustment too, because for you know all these years, everyone's being taught a certain way. And now you're like, gotta, you know, break those habits that are just, you know, natural. Yeah. Those are still good habits when, when teams are out of system, I think you put your arms together when you have the time, but uh, when you don't have the time, yeah, you've got to got to throw hands at it and try and pop those things up. Um, I think that's really a big, big thing on the men's side is, is how do you dig more balls and block a defense your way through things, um, while you're serving, you know, and hitting so fast. Yeah. And there was always, there's been talk about trying to, you know, make rallies last longer and things like that, changing rules. You know, what are your thoughts? Are you happy with the, the way the game is today? Or are there any things you'd like to, to see changed? I think we should stop changing the rules. I think we should stick with the rules, whatever we want them to be, uh, because I think that's how we lose the average fan. I think the average fan watches, um, and I, I'm a volleyball purist where I would want to, you know, only volleyball people watch us, but don't, don't change the rules so often that when a fan turns it on and goes, oh, I thought you couldn't pass with your hands anymore, or I, why are they jump serving, or why are they playing to 25, what's the freeze scoring on the beach? Just keep it all the same. Yeah. So when they turn it on, they go, oh, this is this is really cool. And I, I like our product um, and keep things the same. I mean, I'd love to see the women and the men have the same rules uh, with serving and subs and liberos, whatever it wants to be. Yeah. Uh, keep it all the same so that we can turn on and know what's going on and do that. I don't think there's any other sport that does that. Um, you know, basketball is basketball. Right. Uh, you're not raising the rim or anything like that or making you know moving that three-point line away and maybe there's little things that make a a rally go longer you know basketball will always you know go we want less technical fouls we want less reviews or things like that those are great but the big parts of the game keep them the same so that we can tell the same story and you know more people keep it on after they watch it in the olympics yeah Absolutely. And now what's your take on the whole video review challenge system? Do you like it in the game or would you rather just leave it to the hands of the, the refs and the umpires? I think we should keep the re- video review. Um, getting it right is getting it right. Yeah. Um, the time of it, I think it's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think it's been pretty good, um, especially with the places that have the budget to buy the good review systems. Sometimes you're in a place uh that you know you go oh that yeah that was a touch you know we always come together as a team as as those happen and you go okay we're prepping for the next play did you touch it or not yeah yeah i touched it and then you get back and you're like okay we didn't get a touch in that maybe we should you know just because of the frame by frame right the more money we get the better it's going to be but i like it i think we should get the call right nice all right. Now back to coaching here. So what was your path to Stanford? You know, what was the sort of the, what attracted you besides the fact that it's Stanford? Well, just about everybody has that reaction when, uh, 
I say, they say, what attracted you to Stanford? Well, it's, it's Stanford. <laughs> uh, so that number one is the, you say, why Stanford? And everybody goes, yeah, duh, Stanford. Um, right. But every single person is this intersection of athletics and academics. Um, not only do we have some of the best academics you could possibly have, we also have an athletic department that supports us like a power five, you know, university should. So we have all the support we could possibly ever think of and more. And then we've got the best academics, you know, probably in the world um, with some other schools that are, are great with us. So having both of those, and then as you have both of those, your guys are just elite at just about everything they do. And they take that into every single part of what they do. And, you know, being around high achieving people makes you a high achieving person. So go into meetings, staff meetings, and there's just some really, really bright people in there, um, no matter what sport they're coaching. Uh, and, and it's great to be around people like that. Um, and then, you know, when you sit down with guys on your team and you go, Hey, what do you want to do? Or what are you majoring in? And I got to stop asking that question. Cause they're so smart. I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know, I want to be a doctor in this and I want to, you know, start this company and I'm working on AI on AI on this, um, or I'm working down to the single cell of this. And you're like, wow. And then you come in and you're an elite volleyball player. It's, right. it's pretty special. Um, and it's, it's been really fun. Awesome. And now you also were involved with uh, collegiate women's team as well, right? Yeah, I had a short stint at, at Auburn. I was the volunteer assistant at Auburn and uh, really valued that experience. And uh, that's a big university. So getting to learn at a big university like that was awesome. Yeah. And what any big adjustments from like, you know, going from the collegiate side on women's now you're on the men's side, you know, is it same or some things are like, wow, okay. It's, you know, the, maybe it's like, you know, just, you look at a, a women's bench and they're all, you know, cheering their full go, like, and it's not really the same level of like excitement as you see sometimes on the men's side. Yeah. I mean, I've been through, I've been on the, I was just on the women's side for a short, short time. I've coached, I've actually almost coached every level with, cause I was at a junior college for the men too. Um, so the, the difference on the women's side is, is just the, the amount of people on staff. Um, I think recruiting is a little bit different. I was a volunteer, so I wasn't really involved in recruiting. Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of what they had to do. There's just a lot more people to look at and a lot more involved with it. Um, just the pure volume. Yeah. Um, I thought was different. And then, um, just the places they go, like on the men's side, you got 30 division one options. And then you go from there. Um, the women have so many different options and things like that. Yeah. Um, but really volleyball is volleyball. Um, maybe there's more float serves on the women's side. Right. But really as men, we got to learn how to float serve too. Girls got to learn how to jump serve. So it was yeah. very similar in those aspects too. Now, I recently came back to the sport after 20 something years away, at least with my daughter jumping into it and playing, you know, starting it in uh, freshman or high school year. And I noticed that, you know, going to her games, all the players are calling out for their balls, you know, set me, set me this. And when I was, you know, when I was younger, that was never the thing. You know, the guys, you, you tell the guys what they're getting and that was, that was it. You know, is that the same on the, are you seeing that on the men's side, they're calling their balls what they want as well? Well, we want them to, to talk about what set they're going to want to get as through the play. Yeah. Um, so we want them to talk through the play of what, what set we want, because we're going to want to go fast. So right now we're in a shoot tempo to the, to the outside. So we want them talking through that. 
Um, but before the play, I always want the setters to control what's going on in the offense. Right. So they should be telling what the middle, the middle, what route they should be on the yeah. big, what route they should be on and the right and left sides, what route to be on. And then those guys talk through the rally. Yeah. Um, and we have some audibles that we call through it to base on the pass and, you know, maybe, maybe it gets pushed in a certain way. So our big's got to, got to change and things like that. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and now when, you know, for that first practice of the year, you know, what is that like? You guys, you know, what is the, everybody's all, you know, hyped up, ready to go, or, you know, do the, do the team meet each other beforehand for like some team bonding, you know, uh, events and things like that. That depends on the, on the school. Yeah. Um, quarter system at Stanford. So, uh, we start just a little bit later, just school starts later. So yeah. we start about the end of September. Um, we have the freshmen Stanford has the freshmen come the week beforehand for orientation. And you'll see a lot of our older guys get there about a week or two beforehand. So they spend some time together. They hang out our freshmen. They run them through a whole academic rigor intro before they even start volleyball and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so they've all met each other. This year, we only had four freshmen, so we've got a very veteran group. So a lot of them knew each other and, and have been around each other for a while. First practice always has a lot of good energy, a lot of nervous energy. Yeah. And uh, you actually try and sustain the same energy you've got on the first day right now in the season when you're in November and it's cold and everybody's getting sick and it's tiring. We try and go, okay, the energy we had on day one, we've got to have, you know, in the dog days in November. Yeah. And, and, you know, something that's, you know, I guess I would think is tough to sort of maintain or continue is like you were saying earlier, you have like five seniors moving on next year and that leadership moves on. How do you deal with that transfer of leadership or are you looking to identify your leaders like in their junior year and sophomore year sort of and get them into some sort of like a leadership program? Yeah, we'll, we'll see, you know, leaders aren't always the older guys. We have one senior, true senior. So fourth year, that's going to be a captain for us. We actually have a sophomore that's a captain for us. So it's identifying the leaders and then, you know, having those early talks as you see someone emerging in that, and then having them talk to those older guys about what kind of leader they are. And, uh, you know, maybe you give them a, a couple books on it and see what they like. Um, you also see guys that, you know, aren't natural lead, uh, by, you know, vocal, vocal leaders. You'll yeah. see guys that more lead by example that maybe you thought were going to be a leader, but you go, Hey, that was uncomfortable for you. Wasn't it? Let's get you in a different role or, um, let's, let's have you be a lead by example and talk to people in small groups instead of the big groups. So yeah, it's all, all about just the, the shuffle of, of what you have. Yeah. And now as an assistant coach, you know, so what are your primary responsibilities within in, in the team and your role during practices and matches and how do you complement, you know, the head coach and leading that team to success and, and just keeping the, you know, the, the standard high at Stanford? Yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky to work with some really, really great people. John Costi has been at, at Stanford for now 34 years. Wow. He was a, an assistant. He was actually started as a volunteer assistant assistant coach, now the head coach. Um, so he knows Stanford inside and out. If you ever get a chance, take a Stanford tour from, from coach. He's unbelievable at doing it. Um, and then me and Spencer Wickens are, are brand new this year. So um, we've been integrating together and it's been a really smooth process. Um, 
And it's fun to work with good people. Um, we all do a little bit of everything just because of it's only the three of us. Um, we also have who's now can't be called a volunteer assistant, but is an assistant coach, Matt Houlihan. Um, and he's around when he can. He runs Bay to Bay Volleyball Club. Um, and so really my primary roles, I, I'm the recruiting coordinator. So I coordinate all the recruiting. We do all the recruiting together, but um, mine's my job is to coordinate it. Um, and then I'm, I'm supposed to be the offensive mind uh, behind things. So I go offense, Spencer goes defense. And, but we all coach everything in, in practice. And yeah. I spend a good amount of time with the setters, Spencer will time, spend a good amount of time with the passers. Um, and then once we get into the six on six part of things, we want to try and go into compete mode and he starts to, to run the defense. And I, I'll talk with the setters about running the offense. So, all right. cool. Yeah. And now, you know, what does a typical week look like for, you know, for the volleyball team? Like, you know, are they doing how many practices a week are they doing? And, you know, is the, you know, lifting mixed in with that, you know, video review? Yeah. So we have two segments that would be out of our championship season. It'd be the eight hour weeks and the 20 hour weeks. Right now we're in the 20 hour weeks. Um, so we are practicing five days a week and we're lifting three days a week. So we will go Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the weight room. And then we will practice right now. We're going Monday through Thursday in the mornings. And then Friday afternoon, we do a Cardinal white scrimmage. So it allows those guys to uh, compete. We get to see different lineups and it gives us the feel for a match. Uh, we we're just kind of a little bit isolated. So we'll play two fall competitions, but it's a long bus ride down to LA and uh, we can't fly in the fall yet. Uh, so we like to do it within ourselves and, and see what we have. Yeah. Um, that's what our weeks look like when we get into eight hour weeks. That means we have four hours in the gym and four hours in the weight room. And we'll separate that different ways. Sometimes we go like an hour twice a week and a big two hour practice. And then we'll all, we pretty much always are three days a week in the, in the weight room. Yeah. When we can. Oh, cool. And now, you know, for, for the freshmen coming from high school into college, you know, do you find that they adjust to that game quickly? Some are quicker than others, but they adjust pretty quickly as, as the, the world around them does. Um, you'll see, always see freshmen start to dip. Um, as we get towards the end of the fall, they just yeah. get naturally tired. They're fatigued. Um, and then they'll come back with a new energy in about January back from seeing their parents for the first time they yeah. get to go home new energy. And then, you know, three, four months into that season, they're going to go, okay, I'm, I'm dipping again, but, uh, they, they transition really quickly. It's especially on the men's side, we see so much progression in them, especially strength wise. Mm -hmm. You'll see a lot of put on a lot of weight, uh, just cause we're so thin as men's volleyball players Yeah, and start to move some weight in the weight room and, do some good things. Our four freshmen have been incredible. They're, they're just really, really quick to, to get on board and mostly culturally too. They just, uh, there's no issues with being late and they've just jumped right in. And that's, I mean, a testament to our older guys, just telling them what the standard is. Yeah. Nice. And now, you know, from the ment, just, uh, you know, keeping a strong mental awareness of, of, you know, keeping, I guess the mental, the mental health strong, you know, for the high school kids coming in, it's got to be tough sometimes because they're coming from either the club play, the high school play, where they're the they're, they're the alphas. You know, they're the top. And now they're, 
you're not, you know, you're going to be riding the bench maybe. You know, that's, a, that's an adjustment and you know, maybe an e- a hit to the ego. How do you, you sort of coach them along and, and help them? It's a, it's a lot of individual meetings, a lot of watching video and going, hey, we're going to work on this. And it's tough to, some of them are playing the long game. They want to get on the court in the third and fourth year. And that's usually how, how things work. Some of them get on the court faster, but yeah. it's sitting and talking to them about the process that they got to go through and just narrowing things down and saying, Hey, you're not in club anymore. You're not going to have to change eight things in practice on Tuesday. Cause you got a tournament on Sunday. Now we have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So we can go, okay, today we're going to be really good at attacking and we're going to, we're going to work on some attacking fundamentals. And then tomorrow we're going to all pass it. Let's just work on our platform, getting our platform in good spots. And so they can get a little bit more adjusted to the process. And then the mental side of things is just making sure we're checking in on them Yeah. and talking about non-volleyball things too. Um, it's always one of my first meetings is making sure they're doing okay. What do you need help with? Can we help you with anything? Um, we have a sp- sports psych- psychologist that comes with us. We He's usually in about once a week and they're, you know, a big part of it. Our academic advisor is awesome. She, she meets with them usually once a week, if not more, the first three weeks, just to make sure they're all on track and handling things and know where to go. Um, and it's a natural adjustment, but nice. they, they'll get their feet under them pretty quick. Oh, good. And, you know, in your opinion, what makes like the Stanford, Stanford's men's volleyball program unique? And how do you communicate that uniqueness to, you know, prospective recruits? You know, what's, what's the hook to, you know, to get the kid to come to Stanford? You know, like we, you know, like we talked earlier, it's Stanford, but you know, you're also competing against the you know, other schools like, you know, Hawaii and, you know, that has that, you know, that carrot out there. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great places to go in, in men's volleyball. I think there's a lot of really, really good experiences. And I think we've got to, you know, focus on the the college experience that you want and we're not for everybody. And, you know, other schools aren't for everybody, Yeah. but uh, if you want a, a really, really high class education and something that's going to set you up for the future, Stanford's a great place for you. Um, I think we provide a very, very good volleyball approach and, and we're going to be competitive every year. And we're going to look to win national championships. Um, and that's our standard. And then our standard in the classroom is to be really, really elite too. Um, and then, but the other thing is, is giving guys the tools to do that um, and having the support staff to do that. And I think we've got an elite support staff and there's not a resource that our guys don't have, um, including our alumni base, which is pretty darn incredible um, when it's time to go get a job and yeah. life after volleyball. So I think, I think it's about providing an, a really, really good experience. And I think, I think we've done a, a really good job of that. And the family afterwards, you know, your family connected for life with, you know, like you said, with the alumni and whatnot. Yep. Nice. And now, you know, when the season, when is, when the season is over, you sort of, you know, what happens next? Do you start immediately start prepping for next year, looking who, you know, looking for recruits and, and whatnot? When the season ends, Hopefully we've got a little celebrating to do. And then um, the NCAA always puts on it. I believe it's a two week, one week or two week. We can't do anything. Um, we we have to take some dead time and give those guys a chance to, to rest and recover. Um, I haven't been at Stanford when the season ends, but it's a quarter system school. So they'll still be in class. Semester schools usually will, will end about the same time as the season will end. So we will have some time 
to hopefully get those guys in the weight room doing some individual stuff that they're going to come back and need. Um, but you've always got to debrief. You've always got to make sure that you talk about what, you know, went well, what didn't went well and the things you got to get better at. And the other thing is, is as men, men's volleyball players, most of the time they're not around in the summer. Yeah. So we've got to put together a plan to what are you going to do in the summertime to get better and do it on your own. And, you know, strength and conditioning coach, what are the, what's their job there? What's our job there? And then what's their job to get better and spend that time away from us and yeah. truly get better. And now, you know, being, you know, summertime, you're off. Do you, you know, are they encouraged to, Hey, go play some beach, go play, you know, play some ball or sort of like, Hey, keeping them back of your mind. We need you, you know, ready to go in the fall. I think beach is some of the best reps you can possibly get as a, as a volleyball player. I think, uh, I think it's a rejuvenated energy as you go through it. Um, it's great for all the small muscles that you need and all the strength and then all the touch in, in the game that you would have. Um, so I think it's great for guys to go play beach volleyball and some guys need the, just the, the recovery. Will Rotman spent the summer playing, a, playing AVP qualifiers and things like that. Uh, he said, you know what, I didn't, I needed the sand below me and I needed to be in the sun and I needed to surf in the morning to make sure that I've got a renewed spirit. Wow. So some of that is, is making sure that they've, they've got, you know, they've got their anchor that they go back to. Yeah. Um, Cause you got to love it because it is a lot and we ask a lot of them. So it's a little bit of balance of both. All right. And now, you know, what has been some significant lessons you've learned as a coach and how has it's influenced your coaching philosophy? When I was at Orange Coast College, I coached uh, under Travis Turner. Um, and I think that's when I really learned how to coach and connect, um, to teach the game and then connect with players. Because we can talk about the greatest things in the world, but if guys don't trust us, if guys don't believe that I've got their best interest in mind, they're not going to talk. Listen. So he really taught me how to connect with guys and just on a deeper level of, of, you know, human beings. And then we go into practice and we can trust each other and get after things. So that was a big, big, not that I wasn't doing that before. I just think there was very intentional there. And I learned how to do that. Um, and then just the way he, he trained the game and how, how much work went into it. Um, that's, that's when I took, I think I took a big step up in my coaching career. All right. And then on the backside of that, you know, any words of wisdom or advice for aspiring coaches who are looking to make a positive impact on the young athletes through coaching? I'd say, I'd say two things, be in as many gyms as you possibly can. Um, don't burn yourself out, but being in new places, hearing new voices and hearing new ways of doing things, you're always going to grab something new. Um, I joke that half of coaching is just taking, taking the good from other people and liking it. And yeah. sometimes you like things, so don't put that in your practice plan, but put the good that you like in it. You go, Oh, I like that drill. I'm throwing it into my you know, my practice plan. So be in as many gyms as you can uh, and figure out why people are good and also watch other sports as, as you're trying to do that. Watch a lot of football, basketball, those coaches are elite for a lot of reasons. So be in that. Um, and then what was my other one? Um, remember why you coach, you coach to make an impact and 
just like teachers, just like parents, we have an impact on kids' lives. So make, make an impact because they're not going to really remember what you said in a couple of years. This is cliche, but they're going to remember how, you, how they made them feel. And you want, hopefully what you want is the relationship I have with Mark Pavlik is we really don't talk volleyball when we talk. We talk about life and, and how our families are doing yeah. more than, than uh, you know, the X's and O's of volleyball. All right. Excellent answer. And now, you know, for those, for those kids that are, you know, playing in high school, you know, what separates that kid that makes it to division one versus a kid that, you know, you know, didn't have it. Is it, is it a skill? Is it just a heart? What, or is there certain traits you you know, you look for that kid that he's going to make it or she's going to make it. You've got to have a certain level of skill. Um, I think that's something that's can be a misconception. There's a certain level of skill, size, athleticism that you've got to have. Um, you've got to have the intangibles. So you've got to be a good teammate. You've got to be good in that person's culture. You've got to communicate well. Um, you've got to work, work hard and, and working hard. Doesn't just mean going to practice and giving it your best shot and going home. Working hard means that you've got an obsession with it and you're doing it all the time. And when you come to practice, you've already been there for half an hour, getting ready, warmed up, and then you cool down and then you watch video and then you, you just got to build yourself to do everything. If you really want to be good at something, you've got to put so much effort into it that nobody else could ever work as hard as you. Um, and that's a lot of doing it outside of the gym, doing it outside of the other things. Um, and then my biggest uh, advice is make sure you do things in the classroom too. You can be as good as you want at your sports. Um, there's a lot of people that are very good at their sport, but can't play college athletics because of their academics. So are you ready for a high school coach's question? Yeah. All right. So how did your experience there shape your approach to coaching, especially in terms of developing setters and setting strategies? You know, are there specific le lessons from Penn State that you learned that you found valuable in getting to that, you know, getting guiding the next generation of, of high school players? Yeah, as setters, we've got to think about the game, uh, you know, just a little bit differently. We're not just, you know, hitting the ball hard and, and seeing what a server is coming at us. We have to play the, the game within the game. As I've said before, we've got to have a, a strategy to our offense. We've got to have purpose with our movement. We've got to, we've also got to make our hitters super successful. Um, it's our job to know each and every hitter, what they want, how fast their arm is. Do they need it higher, lower? Do they, are they better with speed? Um, are they better when the ball is closer to them? So it's our job to know all those intricacies and the better we can communicate that as coaches to our players and then also get their feeling back too. I think a lot of times we sit there and we try and tell them exactly what is going to happen instead of going, Hey, what'd you see there? What did you feel there? Um, or the other thing is I like to, we have three setters in the program right now. I like to pull the setters that are off and go, Hey, what are you seeing? Let's talk to them about it. Um, so it's taking different angles and things like that. Okay. Um, Pal was really, really good at that and making sure it was a, what did you see before talk about it? And then usually you're going to give your input at the end of that, but You've got to talk your way through it. Um, the other thing I like to do as a setter is I like to compare offenses to basketball offenses, football offenses. Um, so things like that, you know, I like to talk about as football, 
you know, we watch football on Sundays. You got to establish the run game before you start throwing. Mm-hmm. So same thing. We got to establish the middle of the court. We got to set quick and big before we can go to the pins. Um, we've got to, you know, things like that. I mean, the air raid might change that, but I've also got, you know, the air aid moves and deals with space. So as we deal with space as setters, how's our, our offense spaced out along the net? So um, that was kind of a little bit of a volleyball nerdy. Uh, That's okay. Offense. I loved it. That was, that was, we could go on, but you know, I, I think people just may disconnect. <laughs> <laughs> when you're not coaching, do you get involved with doing any summer camps or clinics for the younger kids? Yeah, we, I did some, some summer camps over, over the summer. We went down and, and did some in Southern California. I, I'm in Northern California now. I was living in Southern California over the summer. So I flew up and did a couple of Northern California camps. Um, we'll travel and do some this summer. We don't host any, um, but we like to go out to the local clubs and do them at the local clubs and, and be involved in that way. I've always loved doing it at that, that lower level. And I like to go give them a taste of Stanford volleyball and hopefully they can take a couple things from it. So yeah, we definitely do that. Awesome. So now, and you know, when you're not coaching, you're not, you know, doing clinics, you know, do you still get, uh, get out and play some beach now and then? I used to more than I do now. I, uh, I don't do it much anymore. Um, I, I still play fours with my friends. Uh, when I was living in, in SoCal, I would go play on Sunday mornings. Um, I'll probably get out maybe once over Thanksgiving, once over Christmas, but I still do play just a little bit. I, my body hurts now. So it's, (laughs) and, and, you know, I'm just curious, what do you think of the state of beach volleyball today? You know, it's, it's, you know, I grew up, you know, you know, late nineties with, you know, Belmar was a big thing on the East coast, you know, Karch Karai and, and just those, you know, that era, it seemed like it has tapered off the last couple of years. Are we going to see a resurgence in beach? I hope so. I hope we can get as many eyes on it. I think our product's really good. I think the volleyball is really, really good. Um, we need to go to those big markets. I think we need to, to focus on the experience that uh, a beach volleyball tournament is. Yeah. It's so much fun to go to those things and, you think about all the great ones across the, the country and then the, you got the grass ones too. You got the Pottstown rumble. You've got all the ones that go on the, across the East coast. And then um, hopefully they go to Hawaii a little bit more, but yeah, the more fans we can put in front of it. Uh, Cause the volleyball is really, really good. We've had some guys, you know, Phil retiring and Jake retiring. Um, but you know, you got Taylor Crabb, Taylor Sander, like, They've got some really good volleyball players out there. Nice. Awesome. And any prediction on the Olympics? We've qualified, correct? Yeah. Yep. Well, I, I'd be USA all the way there with that. Excellent. Oh, that reminds me. Um, your title has something like uh like Eric Sh- Eric Sh- Oh yeah. What is okay? Yeah, what is that? Yeah, I'm I am the Kavika and Eric Soji. Assistant coach and recruiting coordinator. Okay. Uh, that needs a story. It has to have a story. So our, our, you'll see it in front of all of most Stanford, um, you know, titles. So you look at Spencer's, the Al, Al Rodriguez assistant coach, and then coach Costi has one as well. Um, those are who endow our, um, our positions. Okay. So I have about five or six donors that endow my position and they decided to name it after Eric and Kavika Sochi, who are both Stanford alums um, that are both Olympians. So we have incredible support from our alumni 
and they're who, you know, build our program, but you'll see it all across Stanford. It's all from donations in order to fund our program and, and pay our, our salaries. So that's, that's my title is Kavika and Eric Soji assistant coach. All right. Awesome. Now, okay. I, I was like, what is that? Okay. Makes sense now. All right. And now away from volleyball, you know, what do you like to do? Away from volleyball. I don't spend a ton of time away from volleyball. Um, but I really like to just spend a time with my family, uh, being up in Northern California, we've been going on a lot of hikes. We were out in one in the, in the Bay area, right on the Bay there. There's a ton of nature up here. So that's been really cool. Um, I'm a guy that just likes to be around my family and my friends and, and spend the time with them. Nice. Excellent. All right. Well, Hey Taylor, you survived the podcast, but now before I let you go, I got to sh- ask you to shout out somebody you think in your circle would have a good story to tell and come on the podcast. A good story to tell. Well, I mean, the easiest one is to, to do our other assistant coach, Spencer Wickens. All I right. mean, the guy can tell a story uh, like crazy. Uh, and if he doesn't know him, and he grew up in Rochester, so he'll tell you about how when he played soccer in Rochester when he was five years old, he knew this person. But uh, he would be a good one. Um, if you could nail him down, Travis Turner at Orange Coast. Okay. Orange Coast College. And he's also the director at Baboa Bay. Um, he's a quick moving guy and I don't know if you can get him down for an hour, but all right, man, volleyball, he'd be a great one to do too. Excellent. Well, Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciated the stories and the, and the advice you you shared with us today and best of luck, uh, you know, on the upcoming season. Yeah. Thanks for for having me. I love that you're doing this about volleyball and I like to get the men's volleyball coaches on there too. Yeah, absolutely. We need representation. (laughs) Yeah.